In episode 133 of Circles Off, we're joined by the cat, better known as 50 Kelly Picks, to discuss top-down betting, selling picks, finding edges, and exploiting those edges, as well as how to prep accounts and network. All of that and more, this week's Circles Off starts now. Come on, let's go! Welcome to Circles Off, episode number 133 right here on the Circles Off YouTube channel, part of the Hammer Betting Network, presented by Pinnacle Sportsbook. I'm Rob Pizzola, back in the saddle. Johnny from Betstab. Number 33, Rob's nemesis, Henrik Sedin. Henrik Sedin. Uh, have I told that story before? Yeah, you told him we did Daniel Sedin at, 20, at 22, Oh, yeah, I, I did, think. yeah. Here we are. We also have one of the greatest goalies of all time, my favorite goalie when I was growing up as a kid. He was on the avalanche at the time, Patrick Waugh. Patrick Waugh, do you remember the Jeremy Roenick comment? Yeah, his rings are yeah. Stanley Cup rings. I can't are hear what Jeremy says noise. because uh, my ears are blocked with my two Stanley Cup rings. <laughs> that's, that's such a good one he, in that accent. He actually had it. If you watch the full clip, he gets like cut off. He, he, he has the joke formulating in his head while he's about to say it, but he can't figure out how to get it out. So he's like, I can't hear what... Jeremy says because of my ears and then he like pauses and he's like I can't hear what Jeremy says because my ears are blocked by my two Stanley Cup rings <laughs> it's so funny it's actually such a, a great roast like think about how clever that entire thing is yeah he that was I very funny in that accent is where my it ears just... are blocked um I'm trying the NFL 33s do they exist? They're running a couple running backs. Aaron Jones. Aaron Jones. Dalvin Cook. Dalvin. Yeah. Yep. 33. We have, so for NHL, this guy right here might be the best free agent signing in NHL history. Zidane Chara. I would agree with you, but I can't stay. I could never stay. As a least I know fan, you can't you, stand you him. I can't, like I can't stand him. Yeah, he was just so good. And he was just on the two biggest rivals of Toronto, or two of the three biggest rivals of the, of the when league. When he ragdolled Brian McCabe. Oh my God, remember that? Yes. That was like a, a, a grown man throwing around like a three-year-old. Dude, he's got some, yeah, he was a, he was a big boy, big you, dog. You remember uh, Big Buffer? Dustin oh, Bufflin. Yeah. On, honestly, maybe one of the most underappreciated players considering he could play both forward and D. Over very course. well. Very well. Yeah. Yeah, he was a good player. For a couple of years, he was very good. Very and good. that guy, shout out to him. He just was like, I'm going to be an NHL player because I'm good at it, not because I love it. Made millions of dollars, won Stanley Cups, and then just said, I'm out of here. Disappeared from the face of the earth, and he's a professional fisherman now. Good for him. He yeah. fishes professionally? Yeah. He resurfaced like last week or two weeks ago because he won a bunch of money in uh, some big professional fishing tournament or something. Is or he, like finished pretty high up and then it, the picture of him came is out. Is he one of those guys that's stuffing marbles down the fish's throat? <laughs> I hope oh, just not. Get just it, so okay. it gets a little bit higher. We'll go to the NBA just so we don't miss any here. We a got lot of elite players. Bird, Kareem, Patrick Ewing, Scottie Pippen, Alonzo Mourning. Shaq also wore 33 for a period of time. Did he? Shaq wore 33? Yep. Phoenix, pretty sure. Oh, he's 33. I didn't even. Grant I Hill wore 32, 32 33, that. 34, and 36. I don't think he wore 35. Also, Canadian legend, different sport, but Larry Walker. We're Canadians. Is it bad if I don't know who that is? You know what? It's fair because Larry he, Walker. He is that anything that just preceded, seems like he, he preceded your time? But he was like the number one uh, Canadian ball player, baseball player. Okay, there you go. Um, guys, please like the episode. We do it for free. We don't ask for much. Like the episode. It, it, I say it all the time. I'm going to use the word criminal again. But we get a lot of views, and we don't get a lot of likes. And the one thing about YouTube, this is why, listen, if you follow, you watch on a weekly basis, you enjoy the content, just always smash that like button because it helps us grow. It tells YouTube, hey, people enjoy this content. I'm going to serve it up to other people. So just do us a favor and serve that up. I mentioned that Larry Walker was number one in Canada. You know who else is number one in Canada? Who is it? That would happen to be Pinnacle Sportsbook, my friend. I see you're rocking the hat, looking good. Pinnacle, the world's sharpest sportsbook, available to betters across Canada. We often preach line shopping. We'll talk about that with our guest today here on Circles Off, but it's a critical aspect to sports betting. You're gonna to wanna to have a Pinnacle account. 
to always get the best prices in market. You're going to want to have a Pinnacle account because they're not going to restrict you on your sports betting. And generally speaking, you're going to want to have a Pinnacle account because they're a great product and they have a great reputation in the space for the past 25 years. So bet smart, bet Pinnacle, your trusted sports book, and use code HAMMER when signing up. It does support us here on Circles Off. You must be 19+. plus. If you are watching, sorry to cut you off, Rob. If you are watching or listening to this episode before Christmas Day 2023 and you are looking to bet on some NFL games, I'm going to pull up bet stamp like I just just did right now, and we're going to check if Pinnacle has the best odds on the side, total, or money line in each game. I'm going to give that out. Typically, they will have at least one per game. So we're going to see if we can get over three and a half here. First game, Raiders, KC, Pinnacle, Best price in the world on the over, best price in the world on the Chiefs. When I say world, talking all of Canada here. That's where <laughs> you can bet Honestly, on though, that, that would probably be, I'm looking at those prices right now. And that, we can't claim that they're the best no, in the world. No, no, it's, it's, it's going to be best in Canada, especially you know, in the regulated market, it's best in the world. If you're betting the first half in that game as well, you'll have the best line on the Raiders first half and the over first half. That's well. crazy. So Raiders, you're going, but then Chiefs are full game. Potentially the old, uh, the old animal special right there. There you go. Uh, Minnesota Twins first five innings, but Chicago White Sox full game when they're playing each other. The animal move of the week. Animal special. Next next game, uh, Eagles versus Giants. Again, best price in the world on the Eagles, best price in the world on the over. So in two games, if you want the favorite and the over, you need to be betting at Pinnacle. And then in the last game. before, before I'm going to cut you off now. Look at the first half lines on the Giants and Eagles. Pinnacle has the best price in market on five of the six. Money line side. Yeah, that's nuts. That's and, nuts. and total. Yeah. So basically, if you want to bet the first half of that game, you pretty much be an idiot to bet it anywhere else. Def- definitely don't take worse odds. And then we go to the game of the week special, the MVP special, Brock Purdy versus Lamar Jackson. San Fran, home to Baltimore, five and a half point favorites. Unfortunately, Pinnacle does not have the best odds in the world. It's a marquee game, so a little off, some books are a little off market. You can find a great play here, by the way, uh, if you guys go to BetStamp on uh, San Fran minus five. Very much value if you want to bet that. Um, in addition, you can bet the best price in the world on the under, though. So if you want to bet that game, still sign up at Pinnacle. If you don't have an account, sign up. If you didn't like the episode, like the episode. Enough is enough. With that, we'll go to our guest. Our guest on this week's episode of Circles Off is a pro sports better. You might have previously seen him out there under the name 50 Kelly, which I'll ask him about. Currently, you can follow him on Twitter at the, the funniest Twitter handle I think we've ever had on the show. At the cat, one, two, three, four, five, four. <laughs> His name welcome. is John. John, welcome into Circles Off. How's it going? Thanks. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, I got to start with the Twitter handle just really quickly. Like, why why did you drop the full? Is this just like a one that Twitter created for you and you've decided to go for it? What's the one, two, three, four, five, four? What's that representative of? So a lot of people have called me Cat, like partners that I work with. Um, but to get a Twitter handle with the name Cat, like cats are very popular. So I couldn't do one, even one, two, three was taken. One, two, three, four was taken. So I had to just kind of make the numbers complex. Was one, two, three, four, five, six taken? I think it was taken, yeah. All right, I think, okay. Yeah. So, so instead of going one, two, three, four, five, seven, you tried to go backwards with the final. I, I'm, I'm not really getting the logic of the final digit and how we arrived at this. Moment. But we're, we are here. Um, so also 50 Kelly. Mm-hmm. Was that because you were betting half Kelly? Yeah, I was betting half Kelly. And then the picks at the end was also because it was part of a group that was um, selling picks and information. Do you you tracked on BetStamp publicly for a long time, if I recall, right? Right. I was on BetStamp, and then I also I think before BetStamp, I also had a we had like a spreadsheet that we used. How did you do? It went well. I think we were up around thirty units in two months, um, and I ended up getting partners from it because people messaged me saying they were actually getting down a lot on the plays and they could get down for me. People offered free rolls. I remember when I talked to Rob, he mentioned somebody offered him a free roll for baseball um, when he was starting out. So I had similar things like that happening. 
uh, just offered to me. So that was maybe two, three years ago. And some of those people I still work with to this day. Yep. Awesome. That's interesting to hear. So uh, for all those listening right now, I'll give a quick, quick summary here. So uh, 50 Kelly, AKA the cat was uh, the cat one, two, three, four, five, four was actually posting on, on Betstamp. He was posting on Twitter, trying to build a following, actually touting picks. Okay. A lot of people call it into question. Oh, is this guy winning? Is this guy losing? You know, we, we, we vet people. We sometimes do a great job. We sometimes do not the best job. I, I'll say right now, this guy, super sharp, um, you know, has had now a proven history of winning for a couple of years, working with a lot of people in the industry. And now I hear officially out of the tout game. So my question to lead it off is, what are you doing now? And, uh, you know, how did it come to be? Yeah, so I think now I'm mainly working with different partners that I've met on Twitter, um, Discord, stuff like that. Um, so, for example, um, Elihu Fusil is one of the people who's like public. He has his like name out there. I've worked with him for a while on different markets, uh, helping him get down. And I'm just working with other people like that. Um, I also do a lot of top down stuff. I think top, I don't know if top down is like the right way to call it. Everybody has different words, you know, steam chasing. But um, it depends on whether or not yeah. you are a top down better, because if you are, <laughs> then it's top down. But if you're an originator, then it's steam chasing. Yeah. So we, I mean, it, it's steam chasing, right? Top down, right? <laughs> um, and I do a lot of that now um, as well. Okay. So a mix of top down and then, you know, working with partners. Um, mm -hmm. In terms of like your start in sports betting, I know you have an interesting past. I know you used to, you know, do work with, with the MLB, different things in the analytics. Um, tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah, so when I graduated college, I worked with an MLB team um, for about a half year. Um, and then after that, I worked in tech. Um, and tech was, this was during uh, COVID, so there's a lot of remote um, roles. And so I remember I was going to different states and um, taking advantage of the bonuses. And um, so I was in like New York, New Jersey, um, even in like Oregon, like kind of all around the country. And I was betting a lot of smaller markets, so stuff like uh, NBA first basket, props, like team to score first, race to eight points, all that sort of stuff. The best stuff. Yeah. The stuff where you can find some real edges because they're, they're right. very, very badly mispriced. Uh, you mentioned you worked for an MLB team in there for six months, uh, pretty yeah. short stint. Was that, did you leave of your own volition? And, and like, what were you doing specifically within an, yeah. an MLB org? Yeah, so I left of my own volition just because I had another um, role and I wanted to work in tech. Um, but uh, and I also kind of liked working remotely, too. So that was, you know, for the MLB team, I had to go into the office like on weekends as well when they had games. But overall, it was a good experience. I was working in the analytics department. Um, so a lot of data science work um, using Python, R, stuff like that. And uh did you gain any valuable insights when you were working in that type of role? Like anything that helped you in terms of sports betting or not a lot that was applicable from one to another? Um, I think, I think I just got more comfortable using Python because at work, like when, when we were watching the games, like we didn't really have to work, but I would spend that time like doing a lot of Python coding. So I did a lot of like Python coding problems or like SQL and stuff like that. So I think, that translated over to sports betting. I'm, uh, I'm, I won't spend much longer on, on this topic, but uh, one of the questions like we get regularly, or at least I get regularly as well, because I've talked about, uh, in addition to consulting for sports books, yeah. I've, I've talked about consulting. No, time out. We got it. This is the first time it happened. We got to do it. So if you look behind producer Zach, Zach, go ahead. Well, I got this whiteboard up here behind me says shows since Pozzola said he worked at a sports book we were at two this can now be changed <laughs> wiping that down it's at zero back to start yeah. in addition to consulting for a sports book before I did consult for uh some couple NHL of offshore teams, sports books some NHL teams and people are always like oh, is it worth it to get into this space um and I've given my opinion on it in terms of like I don't think the comp is very good relative to other industries where you could be doing st similar stuff but I think it's just cool to generally work in sports you, like just based off of your very brief experience um was it a waste of time would you encourage people to get involved 
um, with, with sports analytics and working directly for an organization if they had the chance? I definitely don't think it was a waste of time. I think it, think it was a good experience. Um, I think um, sports betting and like working in sports is like very different. So um, I found that like, yeah, I found that it's very different, but I'm curious like what your experience was like. Um, I, I, I just, my, my issue with it, I guess maybe I'm very driven or at the time was very driven by money. That's why I bet on sports too. I, I mean, there's a desire to be good at what I do, but also I, I want to be fairly compensa compensated for the work I put in. The challenge mm -hmm. I had with uh, sports organizations specifically was that there's so much demand for these particular mm -hmm. positions, right? Like everyone wants to work for their favorite team or work in the NBA if they're a basketball fan or the MLB if they're a baseball fan. And because of that, if you don't want the job at this pay, that's definitely not market value. Guess what? There's 500 people waiting in line that want the job. So you know, you really, FYI, that is market value. I guess, technically speaking. Uh, but like you could get an, an analytics job in a different industry that could pay double. What yeah, you would get so for this, that market just doesn't pay as high because the efficient market is lower because of the fact that more people want to work in the job and they're willing to do it for less. They want to work and say it's cool. Like, yeah, I work for the Maple Leafs. We lost every year. Like, it's sick. <laughs> Fair enough. So, like, my advice to people is generally what motivates you? And if you're motivated by money, then don't work for a professional organization. If you're driven by success and, like, you know, contributing to a greater cause and teamwork and whatever, then absolutely, I think would be extremely rewarding for someone. So that's just my general take on it, John. Cool. Yeah, makes sense. All right. So for, before we continue, I got to, we're going to talk some sports. We're going to talk some good, good wins, some bad losses, stuff like that. Um, are you betting full-time now? Is that your primary source of income? Yeah, it's my, it's my primary source of income. I do other businesses as well, but I, I left my tech job in 2021. Okay. Awesome. So you've been going a couple of years now with, mm -hmm. uh, with the betting, sustaining it full time. I think by the way, for all those listening, you see like this, uh, yet another success story of somebody who started off, you know, out of school and they're like, Hey, let me see what I can do with betting. Eventually came out earned your salary. I'm sure in, in the first year when you were working at the MLB team for sure. And then it's like, Hey, I can do this full time. So uh, yet another one. We've had at least 10 of these onto the, the podcast so far. It is possible. You can chase the dream regardless of, you know, what other people tell you. So that's awesome. Um, top down approach. Okay. What is that to you? When you say like, Hey, I might be a steam chaser. I might be top down. Like what specifically is that to you? Right. So I think, um, a couple of years ago when people were doing top down, they thought of just using pinnacle, um, and just using the available tools out there, such as odds jam, um, but I think Odds Jam, even with their Pinnacle um, bot, they only cover maybe like a fraction of markets that are on these other sports books that you can bet. And so when I do when I do top down, Pinnacle is maybe one fifth of the books that I'm looking at. And I don't use Odds Jam myself, even though I think it's a great tool. I use other tools that are more niche, so other people aren't betting the same stuff. And then I have my own scrapers for Pinnacle. And so I'm able to get a lot of markets that other people who use purely odd jam aren't betting. So you've been able to distinguish yourself via tech then and being able to cover a broader broader version, um, uh, like broader markets, generally speaking. Right, yeah. So, so for example, one example would be, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Staked, but there's a type of sports book that, it's called stake and there's sports books that look very similar to it where on the on the home page they have a ticker of like the live bets and the biggest bets being placed and there were some groups that were doing i guess you would call it like whale flipping where they would work with like influencers who had high limits and they would bet into stake before pinnacle even put a lineup and so scraping that info like scraping that live ticker was sometimes pretty valuable and i later talked to groups who said like that's what that they were actually betting into stake in those type of books. And so I was just like scraping their info from the live ticker. Interesting. That's a pretty cool one. Good for you. Yeah. Drake is big on stake. Is he not? Well, or he's a part he? owner. Yeah. Part owner. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Drake, Drake and stake. But I will say like, yeah, the, the whale flipping there would be crazy. Oh yeah. yeah. Massive. I mean, you see some of the, you see some I wonder of the tickets if anyone, that influencers it, it, post for stake. Yeah. But I wonder if like, like, has anyone got to him yet? 
That's what I always wonder. Or, or do they have enough of an ego that they just turn it down? Like, look at Floyd Mayweather, right? Like, whoever, has, whoever could get to Floyd Mayweather would be betting whatever amounts of money they want to bet. Yeah, I know, for sure. But, but does Floyd but, have enough of an ego? Like, does he have so much of an ego that he's like, no, 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 I'm going to win at sports betting. Not you. You're not going to win in my. It's account. like nah. I don't like the raps tonight. Yeah, I'm going to bet like, nah, the nah, opposite. I'm not. Yeah. No. He gets a couple bets that's sent into him. And he's like, no, no, no. I don't like this side. I'm not placing this bet. But, I mean, Drake's a part owner in the company, so it's probably not worth it for him. I, I doubt it. Yeah, I and doubt. and he's super super uh, rich anyway. So like, what's the deal? Yeah. Um, okay. Fair enough. You know. Um, so by the way, you mentioned like devigging Pinnacle basically and using that as your your top down. Uh, but you don't necessarily use just Pinnacle. Right. How a lot of people, and obviously Pinnacle is a sponsor of this, of this podcast. We're big fans. Everyone should sign up if you don't. Um, how would you use Pinnacle in the top-down method? How could, like, the listeners do that? Yes, I think um, if they're not on Oddjam or they don't like Oddjam, there's other sites that, are, that have Pinnacle lines as well. So, for example, there's one called TradeMate that I think uses Pinnacle lines and I think the only reason it hasn't gotten very popular is because the UI UX design compared to Odds Jam is like not, it's just like night and day. But something that's cool about TradeMate is you can see the line movement. And so um, you can see, for example, like where Caesar's line is moving or where FanDuel's line is moving and then compare that to where Pinnacle's line is moving. And I think that's pretty useful because you don't just, you aren't just alerted of the discrepancy like you would be on Odds Jam, but um, you can see, um, and determine for yourself, like, is this just like a opener on Caesars that's off or is Caesars actually taking a big pop on this and maybe they're sharper than Pinnacle on this market. So I think TradeMate's like a pretty good tool. I'm not involved with it, but I mean, I use it a lot and I, I tell people about it. So one of the things that we constantly hear, uh, and sometimes it comes up in the comments here as well, but uh, Pinnacle sponsors circles off uh, our educational channel here and Forward Progress, which is our NFL channel on the hammer. And some people always reach out and they're like, well, you know, why would I bet at Pinnacle when the lines are, are sharp, right? Is there a possibility to make money off of it? Some people consider it like the absolute North Star for top-down betting. But from the sounds of things, you believe that there's actually could be opportunities to bet into Pinnacle's market, depending on some other books in some cases. Yeah, I don't know if I'd be confident enough to bet into Pinnacle's market, but I think if you're using Pinnacle solely as your North Star and that's it, um, you might lose a lot. And actually, a lie who's talked about this, he's written, um, I think, like a post about it, or he just talked about it publicly, publicly, where he used, I think, mostly or only Pinnacle as his North Star, and he lost a lot. And that's kind of been my experience as well when I used only Pinnacle. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, I, I feel like Pinnacle is beatable in a lot of markets. I think and, every sports book is beatable yeah. in some capacity. Like yeah. some people are like, oh, I just never bet into here. It's like, well, you can bet into it at smaller limits. You don't have to wait till the market's fully matured on a lot of these books, or you can find stuff that maybe the pricing is not the greatest at. Like that's generally- yeah. I'm, I'm going to make a bold claim here. Uh-huh. Every single sports book, no matter what it is, no matter how shitty the odds are on it, will have some value, and I'm confident that I would be able to beat it. And a lot of people I know would be able to beat it. The only sports books that I would not play at just genuinely are sports books that have a reputation of stiffing players where you feel like it's just not a good place to, to deposit your money because you're going to get stiffed. If the money's no good, the book is no good. If you feel that the money is going to get paid to you, if you win, whether that be any kind of, any kind of book, whether it be PPH regulated offshore, whatever, then in theory, you should be able to bet it. I would strongly recommend playing on the regulated outs because the, the chances that you get stiffed on just in any capacity are extremely lower. So you're going to want to stick to that, especially if you're a beginner, you want to only bet at those books. Um, but yeah, in terms of like being able to beat the book, like every single book has value. Yep. Would I'm you tot- agree with that, Rob? I'm totally with you. I think that like pe- people just... Sharp book, rec book, they all get like lumped into these things. And it's like, ah, you don't want to bet into the sharp book. It's what oftentimes a sharp book's offering you very good prices relative to the rec book. But on top of that, you can't just assume that everything that's offered, like Pinnacle has like a million markets, man. Like they have every single soccer league. Yeah, I don't they, even know those leagues and they're, they're it, offering them. Right. So, I mean, there's, there's something that 
that can be beaten, I agree, at every single sports book. And also, to those who ask about, like, oh, why would I play at Pinnacle if it's so sharp? Like, you're betting those bets at worse numbers. So, like, the <laughs> fact that Pinnacle's a sharp book, like, if you take minus 08 at Pinnacle versus minus 110 at a different book, like, that doesn't matter that they're a sharp book. You're getting a better bet. So 100%. That's, 100%. that's for sure. Um, in regards to top down, um, John, I, I, I think I told this story on Circles Off before, but I was at uh, Bet Bash this year. And BetBash has like a speed networking event that Spanky puts on where you just get paired with all sorts of people from the industry and you just chat for like six or seven minutes and see if you can help one another, share stories, whatever. Um, this year, I think there was 14 people that I was paired with. And I would say that 10 of the 14 were top-down bettors. And I was frequently getting the same questions from people, which were along the lines of, I'm doing well. I figured out something good here. I can make good money, but now I'm getting limited everywhere. And I can't get the same amount of volume that I was previously getting with betting. Uh, how do I go about solving that? I'm curious about your experience with the top-down approach, how often you face those same challenges. And if it's easy for you to overcome it right now, do you think that there's a shelf life in what you're doing? I, I'd just like you to speak to that a little bit. Yeah, I think it's it's probably it's in in my experience it might be easier than ever to 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 go top down, especially if you have sort of like a a lot of plays that you can do at the same time. Because if you have a lot of plays you can do at the same time, you can parlay them, and so your account has a lot of variance. And so, um, or if you're also just playing other types of parlays, such as correlated parlays, that also gives you a lot of account longevity. And so, when I want to go top down, I'm usually probably doing less popular leagues than the guys you talk to at BetBash. But I think I can get a lot down just because um, I'm doing a lot of parlays and just sort of how I've prepped the account. So generally speaking, your advice to those people that asked me that question, hey, Rob, I'm stuck here. Like I, I was making 150K betting top down, and now I'm making a third of that because I'm limited everywhere. I can't get accounts. Your, your general advice would be to, I guess, prep the accounts a little bit better at the beginning rather than just going hard on on your edges? Yeah, yeah. And also when you do have the edges, um, so I think for some of the people you're talking to, they might only have a couple um, edges at the same time and so they don't really have time to parlay them. But if you can build the pinnacle scraper or bookmaker scraper or bet online scraper that covers a lot of markets, you might have 25 plays at the same time and then you can parlay them together. So even though you're going top down, um, since nobody else is really going to be betting them because you're going to be the only one who really has or one of the few people that has the scraper that covers these markets, you can parlay even when going top down. And that helps you get a lot more top down. This will be tough on like very fast moving markets like NBA though or stuff like that. Right. You got to hope that the line is sticking around for at least a few minutes if you're going to go that road. Right. Interesting. Any other, any other, I'm putting you on the spot here, but any other yeah. tips or pieces of advice for a top down better in order to sustain their edge for a longer period of time. Guys, like the episode. Look at this info we're giving out. <laughs> Smash that like. Smash that like button. Yeah. So I think and Elihu's talked about this publicly, so I feel like I can share this, but he bets a lot of correlated parlays for main markets. And so I think the reality just is if you're betting a lot on main markets at close and their parlays, you're gonna have some leeway to go top down. And that's just what I've experienced. I actually don't haven't really had problems with limits in in the past year or so. I always feel like I can get what I want. Is the majority of that regulated market offshore? Where, in terms of split, what are we looking at here? Um, it, it sort of depends. Like because I'm sort of like traveling, so I, I go to a lot of different places. So sometimes I'll hit different states, but I'll only be in that state for like a a month, and I'll get everything I can get in that state for a month or two. Um, and then I'll, I'll switch. So for example, some books, you can sign up for a new one in each state. Um, but I guess like if you, if you don't have that option of like moving around a lot, like I, I've even done kiosks in places like London and stuff like that. If you don't have that option though, then it could be tough. I think I just happen to have sort of a unique like setup or it works for me right now. Yeah, I wanted to talk to you a lot about that because you don't tweet much, but I did notice in going through your, your Twitter account mm -hmm. at the cat, one, two, three, four, five, four. Uh, I did notice you're often tweeting from different places in the world. Um, pictures, you know, whatever, over the course of several years now. 
Um, so it seems to me like you've traveled a bunch or, or you enjoy traveling. Are you doing this? Like, is the majority of your travel for sports betting purposes or is it just like you like to see different places? It's, I think when I first started traveling, it was for sports betting purposes um, because I wanted to see what other markets were like. Um, but now it's mainly um, for just because I like seeing different places, but I'll usually try to work in an angle like once I'm at a place. Um, like, or if I'm choosing between two different places, I'll, I'll choose one where there might be like um, a great out that I could use for that time. How quickly does it, uh, how quickly can you pick up on like the new market that you're in? So like US, I'm sure it's pretty simple. You go to a different state, they have a lot of the same regulated outs. Like you said, you can open up a new sportsbook account um, under, you know, cause you're in a different state. How about when you go to like Asia as an example, right? Traditionally yeah. Asian markets, uh, a lot of people tend to stay away from them cause there's a language barrier. There's like mm -hmm. a lot that goes into it. How quickly are you able to pick up on the actual market that you're in uh, for your own sports betting purposes? Yeah. yeah, I think so. I think one thing that makes it interesting about like the language or maybe like cultural barrier about some places is that it makes those places unaware of edges that in the States or Canada are like ubiquitous. So an example I've, I've shared before is like RAS, like in some places, like let's say you're going to a kiosk and just betting RAS NFL in London, you're just going to be viewed as like, oh, like you're a American tourist, you're just betting NFL, it's not a problem. And you can get down a lot. There's also betting shops on like every corner. And so that's something I've like shared before. That's like still an edge you can do. And I, I do like visiting the UK a lot for that reason. You heard the man. If you subscribe to Red Angle Sports. They do Red Angle Sports college basketball or, or what? <laughs> um, this was like two years ago. No, but I'm a, I'm a rat, you know, so it, it won a lot. But no, I'm a rat. I'm, I'm a RAS fan. I do play RAS um, at times. Like there's some situations where it works for me, some situations where it doesn't. Yeah, it's we, we had Ed Golden on. Yeah, yeah no, we're big, we're big fans of RAS. Sign, yeah. sign up if you guys want a promo code link. Message yeah. us. We'll get a discount for you. Yeah. We do have a, a deal with RAS as well. We're believers. I've, I've signed up, used the products for many years. Like I'm no problem, uh, no problem backing them, despite the fact that might be going through like a tough run here and there. It is what it is. Like, I do still think they're going to win long term. And um, we, we mentioned this when we had it on any single piece of information you can get is valuable. Whether or not you use it and how you use it is going to determine how valuable it is. But the fact that you could know in advance, this line is going to move from one, this total is going to move from 146.5 to 142.5. There's value in that hundred percent. Yep. And just listening to yeah. John right now, you know, if you do want to bet RAS and you're getting limited in North America, all you got to do is move to Europe. We probably have some yeah. some uh, Londonese, Londonites. <laughs> Londonites. Yeah. Listening what, here. What are, what, what are Londoners? They're definitely Londoners. Chaps. <laughs> we have a couple of chaps listening here. Let us know. Um, okay. Chaps. What, you know, you, blokes. No. Blokes, Blokes, yeah. yeah. I, I don't I know. Don't, what, is chap offensive? I, feel I, like it's I like honestly compliment. have no idea. I think, no, you just call like a... A dude is like a chap, I think. Yeah, exactly. No? Another bloke? Yeah, I don't know. Um, so, okay. You got that. I'm just going through. All right. How about this? Favorite place in the U.S. to bet? I think probably New York. Um, New some York, of the other states yeah. I've, yeah, some of the other states I've been to haven't been as like glamorous or like fun. So I thought New I, York I, only I, has a couple books. Um, well, in New York, I would often like go to New Jersey. So like sometimes I, you know, I would hit the World Trade Center stop and take the path to New Jersey and like stay in a hotel and just like bet. Um, but yeah, I've also, yeah, I, I kind of liked New York living there or like living around there. Got it. Okay. So you just like New York in general, and but really the betting was, was Jersey. Two states for the price of yeah. one. Two, it is, it is yeah. two states for the price of one. <laughs> two states for the price of one. Not oh. non-betting question. Just out of curiosity, uh, I enjoy traveling myself, so this is uh -huh. a really selfish question, generally speaking, but you seem like you've been all over the place. So uh, give me like a Mount Rushmore of of places to visit that, that you think are, are totally worthwhile. Yeah, I think, I think Switzerland is a place to visit because if you're having like a losing week, you'll just like take a... I don't know if I'm pronouncing this place correctly, but you can take like a train to like Lucerne and you'll just like see the beautiful mountains and like there's like a 0% chance you'll till. You'll just calmly the next day go back and get back to work. So I've had good experiences in Switzerland. Anything else outside of Switzerland? Um, 
I think I think the UK too, because in the UK, like you probably will know people who, you know, they'll work at like Smarkets or Matchbook or stuff like that. And they have nice offices there. They'll, they'll invite you in. Um, and UK betting has just been around for a while. So you'll meet students at like, you know, well-known universities who like they know someone who works for like Smarkets or, or Matchbook or stuff like that. And it's seen as like a kind of an interesting thing. Whereas I think in the US, because betting's only been around for a couple of years, uh, there's not everybody is as familiar with it so sometimes like people don't like sharing publicly that they that they're a professional gambler or advantage player i'm a big fan of london generally speaking especially around this time of year it's gonna sound really lame the holidays but the but the christmas markets in like you know there's like christmas markets everywhere toronto wherever you go around this time of year but some of them are like really lame negative like, ev move of the week go to the christmas market i'm not saying i shop there oh, in toronto yeah just don't even get me the distillery one negative ev, EV move of the month <laughs> maybe of the year but yeah it's it's pretty cool around this time of year um in in london i would say if anyone hasn't visited um some personal questions got to get into some stuff here uh it's sure. been so Johnny says, like, we like to vet our uh, our guests on Circles Off, which we do. Mm-hmm. A kind lot of, of people giving us flack for the one guest. We all know who it is. But, yeah, it, listen, it worked. It, it could have worked out better. We've had a lot of people on uh, on the pod. Big bomb bangers. There yeah. you go. We had a lot of people <laughs> on the podcast who were relatively unknown, hadn't done a podcast before in any capacity. Um, and then you guys love the episode. So with the good, it's going to come some where it's like, all right, yeah, whatever. It's all good. I reached out to um, a bunch of my connections in the space, people that I deal with regularly, and a lot of them had heard of you or worked with you in some capacity before. Uh, but it was brought to my attention that you've had some experience moving for what was uh, quoted to me as a big name in the space. And I tried to pry and be like, who was this? And they're like, I'm not really comfortable telling you. I'm not saying you have to tell me. If you want to, that would be great. We could bleep it, actually, just so then the combo is a little better. That would be great. But I'm just curious, working with a, a big name in the space, what, what was that experience like? And specifically, what were you doing uh, with that big name in the space? Yeah, so, I mean, I, I guess I've worked with, I think a couple of people actually, like, come to mind. Like, I'm not sure exactly, like, who, who it would be. Because um, I think there's a couple of people who are, like, great originators. But... Um, I was doing a lot of NFL, college football, college basketball, and then a little bit of baseball. And That's what I did the past year. But like specifically just betting that on their behalf, giving providing numbers to that person, how did that relationship work? Uh, so it was betting on their behalf. Um, and then it was mostly... so. Sometimes, for example, for like openers, I think something that works well when moving with people is having them um, maybe like a set time in the day, one to two hours where you just kind of bet everything you're on like a call, you bet everything during that time, because I think if you're just getting like pinged randomly throughout the day, it's sort of like you're like on an on call ship, like it doesn't really work. And people are going to like, they're going to get annoyed for being pinged at like 5am. So I think something that made it work is just having like a set time in the morning we would bet the stuff. And then at night I would like recap everything, do accounting for like an hour. And and that was it. So walk us through, um, in a little bit more detail, how that works. Cause I think there's people that are curious about this. So generally speaking, you use some sort of chat app where someone would message you go out and bet these and they give you like a good to price type of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I, for some people I work with, um, I have what they what their fares are. Um, I think the 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 concern is if people are just like sending you stuff is you could sort of be getting angled where maybe, you know, I've heard situations where people are getting like 1% commission for everything they fill. So they're asking you to fill something that might not be great. Then you give it back to them and they're getting 1%. Um, there's there's just like a lot of problems with just like randomly filling stuff so i think you want to get to the point ideally where you can have a relationship with the originating team and they can say these are our fares um and you just have more insight into the process and they trust you that you know you won't be like doing bad or like leaking that info yeah i think an inherent challenge with like the good to price type of situation Mm -hmm. is especially when you as an originator you send that out to other people you're gonna get back a shitty average price, generally mm-hmm. speaking. Yeah. And you basically sometimes turn like 10% edges into 2% mm-hmm. because of what people are willing to bet it to. Um, yeah. You know, you kind of know what I'm getting at there? 
Yeah, and there, there's also times where like, you know, you might be working with two groups who are great and you know that they're on they're on the other side of each other. And so those are the plays that are actually going to be the easiest to get down the most on, but they might be like the lowest EV plays because it's kind of like it might be like an EV equals like zero play. So I, I, I agree with you. Do you profile all the groups and then decide which one you want to bet out and which one you want to hold? Um, <laughs> I mean, it depends. Like, I mean, there, there's certainly stuff which like I'll fill and like might not take for myself. Yeah. Um, but I, I think usually when people send stuff out, they just want it filled. They don't want you giving opinions. Um, they just want it filled. And so I just do that, but I don't take everything for myself. Understood. Yeah. It's a, I always find that interesting, um, in terms of like the relationship between the originator and the mover, because I have my own personal experiences, but there's other ones out there that are like, yeah, no, this is not the way we do it at all. Yeah. So I was just a little bit interested in, in how that, that tends to work, um, for you in the space. What are your thoughts on like account takeover versus like moving on someone's behalf yeah so uh, porter or ba analytics he'll talk about this a lot um he can he, he he calls moving on other people's behalf like the send model and he'll always say you know you don't want people to be randomly sending stuff and i think there's like pros and cons of that i think the the problem with send model is just when you're getting pinged randomly throughout the day and you don't even know like what's good or what's not but i think if you have edge you have like access to their numbers, um, they share what the edge is, then it's fine to be sent stuff during like a like a, a time window where everybody just agrees to be online during that time. I think I think account takeover works too. I mean, I've worked with Porter, I've given him accounts, it's worked very well and I didn't have to do anything. So that's actually sort of like preferred just hand over you know, PPH accounts or stuff like that. Yeah, I, I mean, it's tough. I, I hear what you're saying. I completely understand it, especially on like the movers side of things. You, you don't wanna be have to be at a desk, you know, 12 to 14 hours a day waiting for plays to come in and betting them out at different times. But on the originator side of things, you know, sometimes you have edges in the morning, sometimes you have them in the afternoon. Yeah. It can be unrealistic sometimes to ask someone to to fire over all of their edges in in like a one hour period. So I, I yeah. think there's like, there's probably a happy medium somewhere in between both of those. Yeah, like I think I used to grind a lot more just be at the computer all day. I mean, there was something that was like sent to me like 20 minutes before this call. And I think in the past, I would have just said like, oh, yeah, sure. I'll just like grind it out and like figure out a way to get it in and still be prepped for this call. But like now I'm just like, yeah, like I'll pass. Like, so I think. Yeah. I think the most interesting thing for me um, about what, what you said in like the last five to 10 minutes here, though, was being given access to the fair values from the originator. Right which in my experience personally is just very uncommon or unheard of mm. um, for the reason that someone really has to trust you in order to mm -hmm. do that. Because lots of times, at least in experiences I've seen in the past, you give someone access to fair values and they think that they're betting it out quietly themselves. And uh, you, know, you know how the sports book, the sports industry is. There's a lot of shady characters. And then you, uh, you, know, you see the market start to steam towards your sides because someone catches on and uh i don't know it's it's just to me that's very uncommon so i think that would be like a testament probably to the relationship that you have or or the fact that you're considered pretty trustworthy that someone's willing to to give you their fares in real time yeah yeah i think so yeah i'm, I'm like fortunate to have people who are you know pretty pretty good to work with so yeah very unusual um we talked about the touting off the top Mm -hmm. Johnny brought it up at the beginning. Former. Former touting. <laughs> yeah. it was under, under, under a different name. This was well before was he went to the cat. 50 Kelly picks. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. So go ahead, Rob. We, I mean, we, we can't, we have to ask you Yeah. because it's only fair. But what, what led you to go down that path? Because a lot of people, again, mm -hmm. they'll, you know, we have you on. You're, you you know you claim to be uh, a winning sports better and and I've kind of verified that with independent sources but they'll be like well if this guy's winning then why would why did he have to resort to selling picks so mm -hmm. let's let's walk through the decision to sell picks yeah. why it stopped and honestly if it's something that you would consider doing again in the future yeah so I was actually talking with Johnny recently where I was asking him to fill um, some plays that were doing very well. Um, and then he didn't want to fill it. And then, um, and I told him, I was like, um, scalable affiliate model is better than randomly filling 
games. And I think that's true. Um, like in terms of like, if you have a tout business that has like a particular, let's say you have a tout business making 300,000 per year, that business is probably worth about a million dollars, right? I've seen tout businesses get acquired for multiples like that. But if you're sports betting and you grind out 300,000 top down, that's, that's like a high paying job. And so I actually still do other businesses in the sports betting space. Um, but I just don't think that touting is the one that's like my, my best strength. Like, for example, I don't necessarily, like you mentioned, I don't like sharing on Twitter that much, but I've been to like some banger places. Like I've been to Monaco or gambled in Macau and like, I could have definitely like played up like a tout banger <laughs> Vegas day lifestyle. Like I didn't do it. So I just think that's not, um, I thought if you just win, people are going to want to buy picks. But I think the reality is like, if you win, you're going to meet some great partners, but that doesn't mean people are going to want to buy picks. And so um, that's why I don't tout anymore. It's just not like one of my interests, I guess, but I don't have a problem with touting. Why do you think that it didn't lead to more pick sales? Just out of curiosity, is it the style yeah. of bets, uh, different timing? Like mm -hmm. it, generally speaking, we, we know. We know, like, I, I don't know for certain, but we know that the vast, vast majority of touts are not winning. In fact, mm -hmm. most are are losing considerably. And then oh. on top of that, the cost to buy the picks. So it's, it's worse than what you said. Okay, I, I've been doing a lot of research into this recently. It's <laughs> what, worse than what to Rob said. Too, or what? Well, well not, not in the, the traditional way, Got it. certainly. But um, in general, it's not, when Rob said most touts are losing, okay? So there are actually a lot of sharp people on social media that give out winning strategies and winning picks. There actually are. There's way more than there was about five years ago. It's It's uh -huh. got to have at least 100x. I'm not even joking. Than yeah. what it was five years ago. I, I would agree with that. But the problem is that when we look at Rob's, like a, a lot of the majority of totes lose. The majority, yes. But the amount of money that gets sold to certain totes versus the amount of like, I, I, I'm explaining this badly, but it's very, very, very oh. skewed to like the amount of money that's paid for tout picks is all to the losing picks. Always. The amount of people that pay the best for like marketers, actual winning picks. It's like, yeah, okay. There's RAS, there's a couple services and stuff like that, but that's it. There's a few dollars yeah. going to that. And we also live in like the, the whole Twitter sphere where, or X sphere where it's like, okay, yeah, you got these people who are the sharp guys. The amount of money spent on pick sales outside of Twitter, people who don't even have a Twitter account, never mm -hmm. even knew, don't even know that there's a gambling community on Twitter is insane. And that is all going to the losing market by a f like far, far greater amounts than is going to RAS picks. I can guarantee you that. So it's worse than, it's worse than you think. Well, I'm just out of, out of curiosity. I, I don't mean to derail, but I, I'm just really interested right now. If I Google buy sports picks, what's going to come up? And that's going to get the majority of traffic, right? Uh, wager talk. But it, that, I don't even think that gets the majority of traffic because people go to buy sports picks from like something they saw with someone winning. So whether it be like an advertisement or like a pop-up, like I, there's not but, as much. But what separates these, like what separates wager talk, pregame, doc sports, sportsbetting.com, Vegas, like from everyone else? SEO, they're great. But, but like marketing in general. Like they can turn a, a, like a fraud loser tout into someone like you must buy this person's picks. I think they're honestly losing a lot of traction on that, but they still have the SEO value. But also it's just like other companies that are selling um, services, right? So it's companies that'll sell like, hey, these are the sharp picks, pro picks, pro sides, whatever. You can, I don't even, I'm not even singling out one company, although they, you can guess who, who they are, but. They'll sell that as a subscription for like a hundred a month, 50 a month, whatever it might be for like pro picks, pro sides, different data. Like all of that is losing you money guaranteed. So when you look at it, those are now, that's like the new way of touting picks. It's not necessarily the old school. Like this is the guy who's like straight shooter in a suit and tie. And he's been picking all these picks behind the camera. And like, this is what he's given out. Cause he's a wizard. Like people don't buy that as much anymore, but they're buying the new school model, which is like, this is where I get it on this site. This is where I get it here. Yeah, it's crazy. I I mean, it's it's always going to be a fascinating industry for for many reasons. Um, the mentality of the pick buyer 
is always interesting to me. I still firmly believe that people are looking for someone else to blame other than themselves. One million percent, or some sort, some sort of site to blame. Like, oh, I lost, but it was I was just following this site, which has historically won. So, like, whatever, it's gonna win. So, I think that's part of it. But yeah, the evolution of the the picks industry is, um, yeah, it's certainly it's certainly something. I think the challenge. So, for for you. Um, I'm gonna. I, I was gonna call you fifty, but like I can't call you fifty. It's fifty just, is 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 it's, taken. It's just ridiculous. Um, for you, John, like your pick selling business is an extension of your actual betting. Like you're putting out plays that you want to bet or would bet yourself. That you're putting in the time and the work. And there's so many people out there. And this is just like an absolute tangent now, though. But. You know, what was the, the documentary where they profiled Vegas Dave and Kelly in Vegas and uh, Todd Wishnev? It was it on like Showtime. A- action. called Action? Action. And like getting insight into Vegas Dave, where he just kind of like wakes up, goes to his computer and fires out like three bets for people. And then like that's his day. And 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 makes like a million bucks. Is uh-huh. is absurd in, in terms of like... He got those real reviews though. When he got, when he, when he paid those people to do the reviews. Remember that? I remember Holy that, shit. but like he got the real reviews. He purchased, a, a, like, think about the level of marketing, like a marketing genius you have to be. And to, to like, just be, just be smart enough to go buy an MLB future on every single team at the beginning of the year for like 10K because you're going to win and you're going to lose money by doing that. But it, the marketing, like you being able to flaunt that ticket every single year and say, I got the winning MLB World Series winner at the beginning of the year, 20 to one or whatever in every sport, it's, it's, that is enough just in and of itself for people to buy your picks instead of someone who tracks with a long-term winning record on like a third-party verified service. And people are like, ah, I, don't want, I don't want this stuff. Yeah, like, no, think about, guy, he did think it. About he got the courtside seats, he got the cars, he did everything. He did it, he did it. He's man. got a courtside seat for his purse. Do you understand no, that? that was an EV buy. Okay. That that one was an EV buy. I, I googled what happened uh, Vegas Dave documentary. Yeah. You guys gotta hear just hear this as well. It says, What happened to Vegas Dave? In twenty twenty four, Vegas Dave's life took an unexpected turn when he faced legal issues related to his sports betting activities. The controversy centered around allegations of fraudulent gambling gambling practices and tax evasion. This is saying in 2024. I guess that's going to be the story for Vegas Dave next year. How is that saying in 2024? I don't know. It's predicting. So we never know. He did did bring a pillow for his shoes. So he didn't get his shoes. He didn't have to put his shoes on the court. That was a move. Dude, I I went to my my betting partner's wedding in Cabo in November. And I got off the plane and went down the airport. There is the largest advertisement I've ever seen in my life in the Cabo airport. Vegas Dave absurdly large like you get off the plane and you see Vegas like the the level of money we're talking about that this guy makes is absurd for just like scamming anyways it, it's it's a little bit devo- this conversation's devolved it always happens whenever we talk about touting in the space but uh, I did want to get your perspective on that and also wanted to get your perspective on uh one other thing that a fellow better told me which he uh-huh. said uh you got you got to ask I was going to say 50 again. Got to ask Kat, John, about doing some non-sports, non-blackjack advantage play stuff. Wait, non-blackjack? Yeah. Non-sports? I think it was yes black. I think it was yes blackjack, non-sports. No, he told me both. Did he say? Did, have, have you ever done casino? Casino play? Have you tried to beat the casinos? Yeah, so I think um, through sports... I've been and through people that I know, like I've been able to get into good rooms for blackjack stuff that's like 10,000 a hand. And so especially with the ability to travel, like I've done stuff like that, blackjack, um, backing poker players and other forms of games like that. How uh, how were you able to win on those? Like just counting or. So I personally don't um, like I don't really know how I'm not great at blackjack, right? I'm not a blackjack AP, but the idea is like I would get people into rooms um, and then we would have someone who could help us count. Oh, interesting. So you're a facilitator. Interesting. Yeah. And it, it really depends where you are too. I think um, 
in Asia, this isn't really possible because for blackjack, uh, how they shuffle, they're using the, the shuffling machines. But in Europe, for example, where it's really easy to get around by train everywhere, you can just like bing, 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 like go across the whole continent. Um, there's like a very, like London has good games too. Um, I think they card you over like a pretty low amount, but there's just a lot of different casinos in Europe to hit. This is and in a, Vegas too. This is really interesting because it's, um, it's like facilitating a, an edge um, do, do, like, do you remember the Phil Ivey story, the Baccarat, the, the cards? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. What, what was your opinion on that? On that is Should that be within the rules? Like, should I, I believe the courts eventually ruled against Ivey in that situation, but it sounds yeah. like, like not quite the same scenario as you because you're not asking the casino to play with a specific deck of cards, but even mm -hmm. having people in the room that can help with your edge um, or like, make it from a turn it from a house edge into a player edge what's mm -hmm. your opinion on that like is is should the liability just fall up on the casino in in those situations yeah so i've heard of that story i don't know the exact situation but i think like for example i've definitely i definitely think that bringing certain people in can be part of the edge or angle that you have um and then also requests are also a big part of the edge that you can have and so i think what you should do is if you're getting requests like just make sure that it's it's very clear that it's agreed upon because I've heard situations where people have requested stuff. Um, they ended up losing, but then due to the request being unclear, maybe the gaming commission said like they, they actually got money back, like that benefited them as the player. But I mean, and obviously there's cases where it goes wrong, like with Phil Ivy. So I think if like requests are a big part of it though, especially with blackjack. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I might misremember the story, but as I remember it, Ivy specifically requested for certain uh, a specific deck of cards to be used. Mm -hmm. The casino could provide the deck, but it had to be, a, you know, a specific brand and style of playing card. And it turns his out- His lucky cards. Yeah, and it turns out that there was some sort of flaw with some of those cards um, mm -hmm. that someone that he sat with, I believe, uh, a lady that he brought, brought along could pick out the flaw within those specific cards. So he got mm -hmm. the casino to agree to using those cards, they said yes, mm -hmm. played a bunch, won a bunch, and then all of a sudden it was, uh, eh, we figured out what you're doing, we're going to court, and I believe that the court ruled against Ivy, and they ruled in favor of the casino. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so too. Which is kind of shitty, in my opinion. Yeah. To what, yeah. rule against the player? I, I mean, they have agreed to the terms. When you're gambling, you agree to, you know, you abide by the house rules or the terms and when, when you say, I want to use this deck of cards. And they accept the action. And they say, and you... yeah. They could have easily said, guess what? No. They also could have just inspected it and been like, all right, this is good. I believe they did, but they couldn't, they yeah. didn't see a flaw. Yeah, they, no, you're, 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 you're pretty, you're right. I made five you, requests of the casinos, um, a private area to play, a dealer who spoke Mandarin uh, Chinese, a guest to sit with him, who was his partner there, uh, one eight deck shoe of purple, I'm going to say it wrong, but Jameco, Gameco uh, playing cards for each session and an automatic card shuffler to be used. Um, then they were they lost a bunch of courtroom battles and the judge declared in 2014 that edge sorting was, in quote, not a legitimate strategy for beating the game. He claimed that, in quote again, by using a croupier as his innocent agent or tool, he gained himself an advantage. Interesting. Yeah. A lot of that went right over my head. I just wanted to give the clarification on what we were. I don't. I don't know how I feel on this, man. I, I I believe that if once you get the casino to agree to the terms of the game, then it, then those are the terms of the game. Yeah. Imagine betting on a sports book, and then you're like, I'm gonna bet a future on the Bills to win, and then afterwards that wins. For whatever reason, could have been you you knew something, could have been whatever, that yeah. wins, and then they're like, nah, you had an advantage on that, so like we're voiding it after the win. That's right. so that would be so frustrating. Yeah. In this situation, like the the actual comp is you did have an advantage. So let's say like you yeah. knew that Tua has a concussion and you're gonna go and bet the Bills to win the AFC East. Yeah, you if have they, if they accept the bet, yeah. That's a bet. I agree. Yeah. And I think actually how it was ruled upon is kind of like unexpected because in my experience, like retail books have been very great with payouts. I've had like quote unquote obvious errors been paid out to me. Um, so 
I'm just kind of surprised by that, I guess. But I might not know the full story as well. Depends on the place for the obvious errors. Yeah. Not for, I haven't actually had any. I, I, I don't bet those. So the, just like the new, the, the new malpractice in the space. This actually happened in the BetStamp Discord on Saturday night. But uh, some people bet Bobby, a, a Leafs fourth liner, Bobby McMahon. Yeah, Bobby McMahon. To score a goal at 25 to 1. And the rest of the market was like 9 to 1. And he did score a goal. Uh, and the book just regraded it at what the rest of the market the, odds the, were. The most absolute travesty thing you can ever do. Which is, in my opinion, just straight up robbery. Trash. Robbery. Like you cannot give someone a bet at one price and then just change the odds. Actually, sorry, they didn't regrade it at that price. They just gave people the bets at that price. No, do but you, not not like at the time. After it won, they just settled them as that. Yes. Absolute what book was that? What book was uh, that? I, I don't even want to give them the publicity. Honestly, I don't even want to say their name because it, the, just, me saying you their name tell them and then we'll is, wor- is worth it. more than, than they should get out of this. But it, it, that is the most deplorable move of a, like... Straight scumbag move. So all the no, all the, uh, you know, for fuck's sakes, I was going to say 50 again, man. I cannot (laughs) get 50 Kelly. When you interviewed me back in the day, it was 50 Kelly interviewing me. So I spoke to you and I believe I was calling you 50 the whole time, but, uh, but did you call him 50 or 50? 50. Okay. Maybe I should have, maybe I should have, maybe I should have kept that like tout name. It seems like it's very like memorable to you. Yeah. <laughs> Kept touting under that. But, but you know what? It's actually, I actually find it very weird because I would never, I would, I would call it half Kelly. I don't know why you mm-hmm. went with 50 Kelly instead of half Kelly. I think that that was actually taken for like, from like a podcast. <laughs> no. Risk of ruin. Yeah. Risk of ruin has that taken. But then you, you could have the called it half Kelly one, two, three, four, five, four. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't think of that at the time. Dude. All right, great episode uh, thus far. I think we're going to close off with the, the same questions we asked everyone. So first off, what is your plus EV, minus EV move of the week? Yeah, I think plus EV. Uh, are you talking about like a pick or just like in no, terms of? No, no, no. no. So this, this is like anything in life. So your plus EV move of the week could be, for example, like traveling the world because it's like good value. Yeah, I think that's probably the best value just um, in terms of like financially, but also just because it helps you like put things into perspective and it helps you have a better idea of like the pros and cons of like particular places. Um, So I think that's like probably plus EV. You got a negative EV move, life move. Um, It would be sports. So this was kind of a life move, but a sports betting one kind of applies in general. I think working with people without um, asking for references, I think you should... Um, vet people very thoroughly and if not you should ask them to post up with you Fair have enough. at least five references or post up okay interesting there that's that's potentially some good advice i'm sure a lot of people i i i'm very much of the same opinion you listen some people might say the exact opposite and i've had talked to people before that will just take a chance on mm-hmm. anyone yeah like why why do that? you could take a chance on every on anyone for like a, a couple hundred bucks yeah but like yeah for yeah. any decent amount like you shouldn't shouldn't take a chance i, I mean a, i've asked people to post calculated up. they've i've asked people to post up with me before and they're like yeah how do i how do i trust that you're not going to run i'm like dude i keep a public profile you could search my name there's not anyone on the planet who has ever been stiffed by me how you're is asking how you can trust me how am i supposed to trust you you reached out with like seven followers on twitter and an egg icon yeah like yep. how are you going to trust me Fair and enough. And your name says one, two, three, four, five, yeah. four. <laughs> four, five, four. So uh, also here, Cat. Uh, last thing, you did mention like, what, you want a plus EV play? So like, because you're offering, like, yeah, give us a plus EV play. Obviously this, this episode is going to air on the 21st, so nothing before then, but you have like a weekend pick or uh, anything. What's good? Oh, I think on that stamp, I used to find uh, stuff for WNBA that was pretty off market. And when used to be very liquid uh, for this, not really anymore. But I know people who I work with who are killing them, uh, WNBA and women's hoops, and they're, they're finding those plays on be- on best stamp. So, okay. Could, okay. You got to put in some work, but I would recommend that. Yeah, it's more gotta, liquid than you would think. You got to open up the app and. Yeah, listen, we're going to we're going to do an episode soon coming soon on uh, basically it's going to be how to make a lot of money per year just using BetStamp. It's tough to think 
oh wait, you can make a hundred thousand a year betting. Like that's crazy. Like my job only pays X amount. It is a lot of work. You're going to have to put in the time. You're going to have to deal with the swings. You're going to have to deal with like discipline and work ethic. However, I'm telling you right now, like, yeah, you, you just mentioned it, Kat. You're like, oh, easily. Like I'm going low end. I'm like, yeah, there's at least a thousand people. But if you, if you wanted to even kind of like extrapolate how many people there are making money from betting, it's probably more than you think. And why not you? Why not you as well? And you know, you know who I'm talking to. You know who I'm talking to. You, you specifically. Could be right? you. Cat, <laughs> uh, if you could go back five years, you look like, um, you know, obviously a younger guy. So I think five years ago, you said you were still in uh, what would be college or university. Yeah. So you go back to that time. What's one piece of advice you'd give yourself? I think I probably would have documented all the experiences I had. Like, I think um, going to different places and if I could have just like shared those. Um, I mean, I have them for myself and I've shared with like friends and stuff like that. But I think um, it's cool to be able to look back on it. And because especially now, like I'm not always in the mood to be like on the move as I was like five years ago. So if I could just have more of that documented and I think that would be pretty neat. So plus EV move of the year, full-time videographer, life videographer. <laughs> Just document the banger places you've been to. So when you're on a downswing, you look at it and you're like, I was in London two months ago. My life's all good. Honestly, it's it's actually that really good crazy. suggestion. And uh, whatever, I'm going to plug like Google Photos right now. But they do have a good hat. Like if you do document your trips and like yeah. stuff that you do in your life, I don't like to share a lot of that publicly, but I'll get mm -hmm. like a, a Google photo. I wake up in the morning and it's like, Here's where you were yeah. four years ago. And I it's use just that. Like, mm -hmm. And, and it, it's really just cool to relive that and be like, yeah, that was like, I forgot that happened. I'm glad I experienced it. I, I actually really like that one. Of, of all the, um, that's not to, to sewer anyone else, but I think that was a really creative answer. And uh, I, I think that's that's pretty cool. People so should do I, it. I like that one too. And, and also I do often have ones that pop up where it'll be like a great memory with like one friend or a, a group of friends that I might've had. Yeah. And uh you know, even just one came up the other day, which was like, uh, I think it was a s six years ago, we were at a Buffalo Bills game in Buffalo tailgating. And there's this like hilarious picks. It was during the whole like Bills Mafia craze, guys jumping off the ta flaming table. And I sent that to uh, a group chat. I was like, guys, do you do you remember how crazy this was? Like, this was nuts. So I agree with that. I, I got to take more photos. Everyone always says that. Everyone always says, I got to take more photos. You never do it. Dude, you can't even make this up. Holiday season five years ago. This is me in London at the Christmas market. Literally, I just checked yeah. Google Photos oh. to recommend. Like, no, the phone was listening to you. They sent they that that was. Uh, but yeah, like literally, I got. I, I I mean, you can't make this stuff up. Yeah, I mean, that. technically, you can. It's pretty easy if you now that I think about it. But I didn't make it up. I got a Google photo photos five years ago today in London at the Christmas market. Uh, his name. Is, is cat jo is john slash cat slash 50 slash fitty <laughs> fitty fitty kelly uh follow him on twitter at the cat one two three four five four uh pro sports better appreciate you joining us today appreciate everyone out there for listening to another episode of circles off if you did enjoy this you're listening in audio form rate and review five stars if you enjoyed this on youtube hammer that like button down below and if you're not subscribed you're on circles off make sure you do so because there's actually no reason not to click that bell for notifications as well. We'll catch everyone next week. Happy holidays, everyone out there.